Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I am so excited about today's guest. I know I always say that, but this is especially true because I've been wanting to get Rebecca Keat on this show. Oh my goodness, I think it's been about 18 months now. Schedules, life, things happening have gotten in the way, but here we are today. So it's a really big day for the Fire and Soul Podcast. Let me give a little uh, introduction. It's not little at all. Lord knows it's grand. It's actually kind of crazy for these things to come out of my mouth. I've never said them about anything anyone on this show, but check this out. So Rebecca Keat is a two-time junior world champion, three-time national champion, six-time iron distant champion. She holds the world record in many varieties. She's going to talk about that a little bit here. Co-founder of Team Serious Tri Club, which is, by the way, the number one ranked female club in the world, yes, during this pandemic co-founder of what actually lights my heart up so much of the Believe Ranch and Rescue. And I get the chills when I say this because you are such a hero and beautiful goddess on this planet for saving to date 116 horses from slaughter since you established your nonprofit in 2017. They rescue horses from abuse and neglect, giving them love, medical care, training, and a second chance they so deserve. I'm already crying. Restoring their love and trust in humankind and finding them a safe, loving, and permanent forever home. My goodness, girlfriend, welcome to the show. Everyone, welcome Rebecca Keat. Oh, thank you. When you read that, I just think, God, is that me? Like, is that really what I've done? It's just crazy, you know? And I will spe- I will um, correct you on the, I wish I still had the world record, Michelle, but honestly, 2009, myself and another British girl who was a, a four-time world champ, we broke it at the same time. So we both broke it in uh, Roth, Germany in 2009. And then um, because she crossed the line a little quicker than me, she got the new world record, but we both originally broke that. So I wish I still held it, but no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, got it. Well, my goodness, there were so many things that I was rattling off. How did it feel? To hear someone talk about all those things, because it's so easy to compare where we are to where we want to get to, right? Instead of looking back and reflecting on, wow, my goodness, you know, I've done a lot. I've made an impact. I've showed others what's possible. How does it feel when you hear it back? It feels surreal, you know, and as an athlete, my goal was always to win like an open world title like Siri did, like the Hawaii Men World Championships. And my best there was only fifth. And I always felt like a complete failure. And I always felt like I didn't do anything. And it's crazy because I know how much you love Tony Robbins. I went to my first, Siri dragged me to my first UPW. Like I tell Tony this and he goes, (laughs) but she dragged me there. I didn't want to go. There's people cheering and I thought it was a cult. I was like, it's just, I don't want to go. But I went and it changed my life because I had to tell the person that I was pairing up with what I was proud of. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not just an athlete. I'm not just professional life. There's so much more I want to do. And I realized in that moment, it was time to retire. And that was a huge turning point for me. And um, 
it really opened my mind to realize that sport doesn't this isn't my identity and I need to realize there's a lot more out there than just being a pro athlete so that was a big awakening for me that is so beautiful when was that that you attended your first unleash the power within end of 2016 wow so just Literally a year before I went into my first Tony Robbins arena in real life, right? As we used to get to do. And same thing for me, like my entire life changed. That's how this podcast was born. But let's give some credit where it's due because out of all the things that I listed, I think the thing aside from obviously you and Siri co-founding Believe Ranch and Rescue nonprofit, it's your marriage to this beautiful soul and world champion herself, Miss Siri Lindley, who's been a very popular guest on this show, very popular in the Tony world, very popular in my world, and of course yours. So just wanted to make sure everyone is aware that yes, that is your wife. And, uh, and that's how I came to know you. So I'm just so grateful for getting into Tony's rooms, right? Because it has opened us up to so many other beautiful connections in a gorgeous worldwide community. Yeah. And I just remember the first time I met you, there was this like gorgeous looking, powerful rock star that everyone was just like, you, the room stopped when you talked. I'm like, who is that woman? I need to be in her team. Like, get me in her team. <laughs> That's funny because I don't really remember it that way, but I do want to say something else. And I mentioned this to you the other day. God, it could have been a few weeks back now. Tony Robbins was posting about business mastery virtual, right? Which I was attending. I think you were attending as well. And we were just, you know, supporting him and saying, yes, it's changed my life. But I remember attending Business Mastery in real life in Vegas two years ago, August of 2018. You were on the stage and you were talking about Team Serious Tri Club. And I'm, I get the chills because I remember being in the audience and looking at you on the stage and thinking, oh, my gosh, that's what she's created. That's what they're doing. Maybe I could do something like that. And I swear to you, that is how some of my now signature courses and training programs came to life because you made it possible for me when you were also just barely starting out. You guys had been, I think, up for about a year at that point. That makes me feel so honored. Thank you. And you have told me that once before. I didn't know if it really hit home, but like, that's just so beautiful of you to say that. Um, And I do, I think after those events, like people realize that you can do anything. Like you just have to go home. You can't go home and turn your butt. You have to apply. Like I literally started building our business. As soon as we got home from Business Master, we created our online tri-club. Then our nonprofit within three months, we had like grown our business three or four hundred percent. You know how it goes in the first year. And even during COVID, like it's still like we did hit a little bit of a flat line during COVID, but slowly going up. And he's always say add value irresistible offer like all those things just resonate and I was just like we just got to continue to add value to our to our clients so good we talked about that right before we hit record which is that this year which has been such a crazy year for so many of us and luckily we have our health and all is well and Siri as well and we're going to get into that in a moment but um Talk about the pivots that you guys have had to identify and activate in order to keep your business not only in survival mode, but now in thriving mode. I mean, you are the number one ranked female club. What does that mean? What does it look like? And how did you pivot? We really were very lucky because we're online based. Um, We just started doing, and I don't know why we hadn't done it before, but like virtual workouts. It's like, we're going to go live on Facebook and then let's use Zoom. Like nothing like Tony's Zoom, but we started doing Zoom virtual workouts. And we were getting so many people and they loved it and they could still, because they need that connection. A lot of people don't have their families around. I can't fly home and see my home in Australia. It sucks. I hate it. But you still have that connection when, you know, that proximity, when you're in front of someone, you really look like you're close to the really with them that connection is what they wanted so we were able to maintain our club and really not lose 
lose a lot of members. Um, we barely like maybe like one or two percent because we're doing the virtual workouts. That was one of the big pivots that we made, and we really were more conscious of just doing more with Facebook ads and more with. I guess, I don't know, it was it's a lot more, I was on social media a lot more and trying to add value that way too with workouts and, and just give back and ask people what they want, what our, what our audience wants. So smart. See, a lot of my listeners are also rising online entrepreneurs or doing it very consistently and now for quite a while. But the biggest thing is, right, add more value, have an irresistible offer and check in with them, validate what do you want? What do you need? How can I serve you at my highest level? Because you've got the goods and the background to back it up. But unless we actually ask them what they need and want, we don't always know how to hit the target. And then therefore you have more success in a rise in your business growth, which is what you guys have done through a pandemic. And that is huge. So I acknowledge what you're up to. Now, I also let us- out of my wife. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I leverage Siri. Like I take over her socials. She gets so upset with me because she's not that into posting try stuff. I was like, no, I want to do this one workout on Instagram. I'm posting it. <laughs> she always like, hang on, that's my Instagram. But you know, I do because she's amazing too. And she's always, I have like more of a scientific approach to training and she's all like mindset and self-development. So we're really good balance because if anyone says to me, like if I'm an athlete that has like an issue that I don't think I can deal with, I'm like, Sarah, could you just talk to this person? I just don't really know like how to, how to react to this. Can you help me? So we're, and then if she's talking about say a VO2 max test on the bike, what do these numbers mean? Like I'm exercise science. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can work that out. So we've got a really good balance. Oh, so good. How did the two of you meet? Oh, my God. So we actually have known each other. We, when we got together, we known each other for 15 years. <gasps> like, I looked at time splits. My first junior world championship that I won in 96, she raced, like, so junior is under 23, was under 23 then. And over 23 was open. And open is like a big step up. And I was 17 or 18 and I won the juniors and she was racing pro women like the next day. So I got to watch her race and our times were almost similar. It's crazy. So we've been racing together. Like I looked after her. Then Siri started winning everything. She won 13 world cups, nine in a row, two world championship series, a world, two world titles. So I was this little younger, nine, nine years younger girl that just looked up to this Siri Lindley. And one thing I did notice about her, which isn't that common in the really successful pros was she's so humble always had time to talk to me. Like I was in the lift with her and I was so nervous. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it's Siri Lindley, it's Siri Lindley. Hey, how are you? And I'm like, oh, she's talking to me. So she just seemed like there were other pros wouldn't even talk to some young junior. Like they just, so she's always been like that. And then our connection grew when I asked her to coach me in 2012. I was going through a time where I thought I may retire. I was almost done in the sport. I've been doing it for like, God, what was it? Like 12 years. And, uh, she said, yeah, I'll coach you. And as soon as we met again, I was like sparks flew. And I had known her, but there was never any chemistry and sparks flew. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm falling in love. Wait, hold on. How did the sparks fly? What was the moment that you knew we've gone from apprentice to a different kind of connection? I want to know the moment if you're willing to share. Yeah, well, I was really emotionally immature, you know, and I think having a bit of an identity crisis in my sexuality too was difficult. I didn't really come to terms with being gay and I didn't really sort of announce it to my family or even really myself till I was about 23, 24. So I think that was one way where I was a little bit more introverted um, when it came to relationships and I hadn't had a lot of relationships. So I probably wasn't even looking for it. I just, it, it never was there. And then when I asked her to coach me and she said, yes, I just remember thinking, she is so funny. Like she, it's like she was high. I used to say to her, Are you sure you're not on something? Cause you're high on life. Like, <laughs> but she's just high on life. She's so freaking positive. Mm-hmm. She was 
fun. We loved all the same food. Like we actually, how it happened, Michelle, is hilarious because I'm one of these people who never wants to tell me if I'm talking too much, by the way, because I will rattle on through. Honey, you're a guest on my show. The floor is yours. So I'm one of these people, I know some people love having guests and staying in sharing rooms and let's share the same bed, I don't really care, let's just jump all in together. I was never like that. I was just like, no, I need my space, I need my own room, I don't share. And then one of the girls that was organising the room said, you guys are saying it was like a beach house. It was a freaking like $3 million beach house. God knows how we got it. We got it through a friend who wanted to rent it to us and she said, you're staying in the beach house. It's amazing, let me show you. And I was like, oh, my God. It was like actually an Australian actor that I know was staying in his house on the beach. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. This is all for me. She goes, no, there's only one thing. I'm like, oh, you're not got me rooming with someone. I guess, I mean, it's a big house. I guess you need someone else in here. And she said, yeah, Siri and you are going to be living together. I was like, because there was no chemistry there. I was like, oh, okay. If it's Siri, I guess I love, she's a lovely person. I love her. She's, that'll be okay. But there was nothing there. And so that's the only person I would have probably said yes to rooming with, but I couldn't believe it. Cause she said the same thing. I am not sharing with an athlete. No way. And then Amanda said, well, it's Rebecca Keaton. She said, Oh yeah. Okay. As long as she stays downstairs and I stay upstairs and that didn't last very long. But <laughs> no, it did actually. You were not into it, I admit. it was at the beach house where everything shifted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And when was that? That was like, oh, God, that was 2013, mm-hmm. 2013 in Noosa. I love you. Have you ever been to Noosa? It's so I cool. have not been to Australia yet. Oh, come on. Well, you yeah. know what? Samson would love it because there's dog beaches everywhere. Samson would be running around like he'd love it. Yeah. He and his best element. It's so cute because you've had the opportunity, or I should say he's had the opportunity to meet you. He loves you in Siri. And uh, it's always been these serendipitous moments when, especially when I got to see you at a nail salon in Rancho Santa Monica. Um, I recognize your dog first, I hate to say. <laughs> no, it's Okay. It's all right. Most people do. They're like, I know your dog's name, but I, actually nobody at the dog park knows my name at all. They all know Samson. Oh um, he's, quite, he's quite popular. But this also brings me to our love for animals. You guys have pets beyond horses. When did the idea come that it is on you, not only to save now so far to date 116 horses from slaughter and that you're saving them and they're thriving. And it's so beautiful, my goodness, to see all the photos and the videos come through on social media of what good work you're doing in the world. But how did you then then translate that into, we've got to pass a bill in Congress, which I want to talk to you about as well. Thank you, Michelle. That's so important. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I grew up on a farm. I was a farm girl through and through, um, loved animals. Like we'd save every single animal. If my granddad, there was an animal injury, I don't hurt it, let me save it. I used to think I could just save everything. And, and then I was also exposed to some of the brutalities of just being a farmer. Like that's how they survive. So I sort of had both, but I was obsessed with animals and always tried to save every animal. Siri, another reason I fell in love with her was I never forget we were riding and a, a, not a prairie dog, but it was um, something, an animal had been hit on the road and she like got my sweater out of the car took it out while I was on my bike so I'd thrown it to her and like moved this animal off the road every time there was like an animal on the road she said it's souls getting squashed and I was like you're gonna cause an accident like she's like one extreme like she is like unbelievable like she's the animal whisperer and so she I thought this woman is like big animal lover like me and that's the reason I fell in love with her and mm-hmm. so we were helping with dogs that were um on death row we were helping uh, some of the local ladies with that sort of start with that with dogs so we had um I always had animals like we had chickens, sheep, uh, cows, horses, everything when I was growing up on the farm. And Siri was kind of the opposite, always dreamed of having a farm. And 
Then one day we'd rode past Colorado Horse Rescue and Sherry said, why, what are horses being rescued from? I said, I don't know. And so she'd gone on and Googled it and I hear this like wailing and I'm like, what the hell? It's like her mom has died or her dad's died or someone has definitely died. Mm. And I run upstairs and she's on the floor and she just points to the screen and I see the way they're, I wouldn't even, it's so graphic what they're doing to these horses in Mexico, how they were killing them. And I just went, oh, my God. Like, it gives me goosebumps. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And that was it. it. That changed our life. I'm like, okay, we are dedicating. And we didn't even actually say the words to each other. Let's start something. Within two weeks, Michelle, we were the crazy horsewomen. We have five horses on a two-acre block. And they were the worst. You know, they say crazy cat women. We were the crazy horsewomen. We didn't really know even a lot about horses. Like, I knew enough growing up, but really not even how to ride. Like, didn't know anything. Didn't really know how to even feed them, to be honest. We knew that to feed them hay, but we were like fully immersion, like full immersion, like Tony says. And then we're like five horses, that's not enough. And we looked, there was like a hundred thousand being slaughtered then. And we're like, oh my God, this, we've got to keep saving more. So in the first, like, I think the first year it was 32, then it went to 60, then a hundred and then 116 now. And then last year we had a big epiphany that this bill that everyone says it's called the Safe American Food Export Act. And everybody has said, let me just break that down for the acronym in case anyone wants to follow this. You can, I'm going to give you all the resources, by the way, um, in the show resources so that you can get involved, but it's the safe act, right? So that's the acronym safe act. All right. What does that mean? And what's the mission and how close are you? Cause I know it's, it's going to happen any minute. Yeah, it's so it's it's the HR 961 uh, Safe American Food Export Act. So okay. this bill, this is how crazy. Like you know, you say the universe is like sends you sign. It's like working for you. Like every we knew we're on the right mission because everything would just come to us. Like we would send it out there. We do our gratitude and our priming every day, and we'd send it out. Like please bring these people to us. We have to pass this bill. Like yes, we're signed 116. That's great, but freaking hell. Like 100,000 a year slaughter? Like what? And if you saw this, Michelle, I would tell you that would be your mission. Don't ever Google. Don't ever Google horse slaughter because your life will change. Like if you're a horse or an animal lover, you'll be on the path with us. But there's so many people saying you'll never do it. You'll never do it. The bill is never going to pass. The Humane Society have tried. The ASPCA have tried. And it's never going to happen. The big animal groups haven't been able to do it. You're never going to do it. And I just said, you're talking to a girl who was told she would never walk again when I was run over by a car. In I didn't know that. Yeah, I ran over my car in 05 and the, the physio said to me, just so you know, and I had to learn to walk again. And he said, you will never be able to do triathlon. You'll never be able to run again. He didn't say you'll never be able to walk. He said, never be able to run again. And I was like, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and won a national title like the next year. So I was like, yeah, right. And then you're talking to someone like Siri who couldn't swim at 24 and was a world champion nine years later. So uh, we don't say that to people. We're like, yeah, okay, watch this space. And even the rescues have said we can't do it, but we really believe we can. And this is where the universe was working for us. We put it out there. We somehow managed to get the CEO of, and I hope they hear this, of the Humane Society and the ASPCA in Rhinebeck in a room to do an uh, innovation session. And we realized at that point, that's really not a high priority, no offense, but it's not a high priority on their list, but they were still kind of, what are these girls up to? And we managed to somehow, and it all came through a triathlon connection of a friend of a friend. The guy who wrote the Safe Act Bill 20 years ago came to to the convention with us. We convinced him to come. And he was like, oh, these crazy women don't know anything about horses. Like, this is never going to work. And then he met us. He's like, this is what we need, something different, something new. This is what we need to change the bill. And then all our celebrity friends, including Tony, we have Bo Derek, we have Melissa Effidge, Jules Hoff's been amazing, you've been amazing. We have these amazing, uh, Willie Nelson, all the Nelson family. 
they want to see this happen too. So we've had massive help from them. And the bill now, we've had about 60,000 emails sent to legislators, over a 1,000 letters to the editor. And we're finally, hopefully, going to get it to vote to the floor this year, if not next year. So it's the closest it's ever been in 20 years with the guy who wrote the SAFE Act bill spearheading our team. So he's leading our team, Chris Hyde. He's amazing. He's an amazing guy. And we just have a really great team. So that's that's the news. <laughs> amazing. Now, what would you say is the number one obstacle? Why is this not a priority? Why is this not being seen for the value that it is, I don't understand it because horses are mystical and magical, beautiful creatures. There's pretty much not a soul on the planet that doesn't feel that way, even if they don't have proximity to them physically, right? So what is the obstacle? And you know what? They're not bred. This is the thing that they're, they're categorized as livestock, but they're not bred for human consumption. But that's what they're being shipped for. We don't freaking eat them, but the Europeans think it's a delicacy. So we ship our beautiful horses. 90% of them are healthy, sound horses. 90% a beautiful quarter horses, about 80% quarter horses, a few thoroughbreds, but they're healthy horses that could go to rescues or therapy schools. There's like thousands of horse rescues that could take them, but these kill buyers outbid us every week and they ship them. And that's the thing. They're not bred for livestock. When people say, oh, it's just like eating a cow or whatever. So like, yes, but they're not bred for livestock. They're, they're bred as companion animals, right? So the biggest chocolate I actually really think is just there's been no public awareness. Like a lot of horse lovers, like I don't even think Portia de Rossi would know that this happens. Like horse lovers, celebrities, they don't even know. They don't know that this is happening. They just think when a horse goes to auction another owner takes it in or a rescue takes it they don't really even know i don't think that 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 this trade even exists so so a public service announcement is what was needed that's what you are doing by having all those celebrities glob on because it does make a difference right and so that is how you've been able to catapult this to the level where you can get it to the floor what are the chances that it gets passed and what's needed in order for that to happen in other words how can we support you as my listeners of this show Thank you. Well, we have 232, 232 bipartisan co-sponsors and it's a bipartisan issue. Like people aren't going to argue with the, how tragically and how horribly and horrific and barbaric the horses are brutally murdered. Like people, it's not an argument where it's a yes or no. It's everybody wants it passed. 80% of Americans, when they did the, the latest survey, want this bill passed. And it's bipartisan. There's Republican, Democratic, the main thing will be pushed from the public. And so people can actually go to our website. And this is our big call to action that we've been talking about. So thank you for bringing this up. Um, we've, we still need thousands of people to email their legislators. Right now, 60,000 is great, but we need all the, uh, all the middle, middle Western states as well, like where there's a lot of the farms and ranches that don't know this is going on and they kind of have that mindset where they just sort of think it's just another animal. That's the states that we really need help with, the Illinois, the uh, Utah, Oklahoma, what else? Uh, Missouri, uh, Illinois, I said Illinois. Yeah, so Texas even. Um, some of those states um, where we need big, big push. So we just need people to constantly take action, go to our website, click ban slaughter now, and it's all done through for you. Like we literally auto-populate it and you send your message and it goes. It takes less than 60 seconds. That website, Shell, is um, www.horsesinourhands.org. So horsesinourhands.org, go there, sign the petition, write the letter and do it now. Like seriously, do it today. It's your one act of kindness. It's your one act to make an impact, especially if you're looking at this pandemic and you're like, gosh, I want to do something. I want my life to matter. I want to have made a difference in another's lives, right? Another's life. This is it. So horsesinourhands.org, make sure you get your letter out. You guys make it so easy. I did it. I've shared it on social. I haven't done nearly enough. And so I will actually continue to do that for and with you and this beautiful community that you have cultivated that are being drawn to an issue that is just so easily resolvable. 
with a little bit of compassion, but mostly awareness. That's all this is. Exactly. It's awareness. And I think if the public put enough pressure on their local legislators and they really are like people are like, oh, you're the horses in our hands, people. The legislators hear us. DC is listening. We're the only people that are grassroots on the floor in DC specifically lobbying for this bill. And I'm like, where are the big animal groups? Like, and they just say, well, it's never going to happen. I'm like, well, that's not good enough. So we're there. We're the only ones with lobbyists on the floor in DC making this happen. So awesome. So I hope that every single listener does it and then tack, tag. Uh, what's the best place to tag you on uh, Instagram? Instagram. Is it at Rebecca key or at horses in our hands? So if you, so I'll make sure you guys get everything. I don't want to confuse you. I want you to just stick to horses in our hands.org, but uh, you will see that when I put this episode out, which actually is going to come out on the 21st. So this is the 21st y'all by the 22nd, I want to see some tags that you've done your part. What's beautiful is that it's a plug and play. You go to horses in our hands.org and you have the letter already pre-printed. It's already there. All you have to do is just sign it and send it off. I mean, it's the easiest call to action that can save so many horses lives and make a big difference on this planet. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you so much. It'll make a big, big difference. And we really have, LA's been a great area for us to be honest. California have been really, really behind it, which has been amazing. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, speaking of other transformational stories, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't dive into, you know, Siri being very publicly diagnosed and then very publicly recovered. I mean, it's just been, it was a beautiful journey. I was never up close. I got to pray on you from afar and lift you up in spirit. And um, oh my goodness. But I want to know what that experience was like for you and where you are now on a couple. And then of course, I'm sure more dedicated to your mission than ever. What have you learned through that experience of being her wife and watching her through that? Yeah, it's crazy, you know, because you know how we do our date with destinies and always find new things. Like if anyone's done Tony Robbins' date with destinies, like, sorry, I keep bringing up Tony, but it's not sorry. Everybody on this show, there's probably not a single episode that goes by where I don't mention him because it's the day in December of 2017 where I dropped to my knees, started sobbing. My heart was cracked open and I received my destiny. I understood the reason I was made and put on this planet at this time. So everybody here has heard that story. Well, now it'll be almost a hundred times. So girl, you, you're in the right company. I get it. And I think if you haven't done it, like, I don't know how much more to tell you to do it. Like do it. I but know. anyway, so I went to date with destiny and that's a full, like the first one I was like, whoa, like we did not sleep. Like you remember your first one, I was like awake all night. And then I had these crazy partners who actually were smokers and drinkers who quit actually at the event. Twenty-four <laughs> seven, <laughs> not miss a thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not pooping. I'm not eating. I can't work out. It was, it was so hard. It wasn't horrible. It was just really hard for me. And I'm a pro athlete. So I don't know, people have got some endurance. I tell you what, but I did the first one. And my, my thing was always that, and I think this is really common. I don't know if you're the same, but with achievers is, that you're always looking what's next what's next and living in the future Tony West says who lives in the past no who lives in the present and Siri my wife in the present 100% who lives in the future I was like I am always living in the future it's like what's next like da da like I sometimes even forget to give her a kiss goodbye or say goodbye because I'm just full on and then we get this phone call like you know trying not to tear up but we get this phone call I was there in the kitchen and they said um Siri you've got acute myeloid leukemia and I was like what and I was brought to my knees and I was like, no, I'm not going to lose my wife. And I have never, I've always asked Lord for more presence, like in the universe, give me presence. And there's nothing like being given. I felt like it was a death sentence to me, but nothing like giving that news to just have no question of your presence ever again. And that's something that 
completely transformed us in our relationship. We always have a beautiful relationship, but presence, Michelle, like now, like I have presence, like it's there and there's nothing like that to, to bring that out. And, um, it was, it was really, really tough. And, um, she was just so strong. I honestly don't know how she, I don't think I could have gotten through it. Like she did, like the nurses at times would say, you know, Oh, she's not going to, we did our fundraiser in, um, in March and um, Siri couldn't come. She's getting a bone transplant. And I was like, I am not leaving you when you're getting your transplant. She's no, you have to go. And they did a cross to her in her bed. And the nurse said, she, yeah, you can't do that. She's just going to be. And like, she did it. And she walked around her unit block in her hospital every single day. And there was days where they said she won't be able to get out of bed. And no, she did because she needed to do it for her mindset. And she, I, I, they said they've never seen anyone go through a transplant without a, tra- a transfusion or a blood transplant. And she did. <laughs> she just, and they also said to her, the crazy thing, when it happened, like I, of course, don't freaking Google when you get a disease because it's so wrong. I started Googling, of course, AML, what's the chances of survival? And it was like 10% with AML because it's acute and it's like really aggressive. I was like, oh, my God, 10%. Okay, this is Siri Lindley, like 10%. And then they say, oh, and you've got a genetic mutation, which means that a regular, like, uh, normal way that we'd approach this with chemo and radiation to knock it off, it's not going to work for you. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, she's got a genetic mutation as well. So that was just so scary. And really, I reckon her chances were probably less than 5%. And I never forget one girl emailed her in her inbox and I wish I had to delete it so she couldn't read it, but it said, Siri, I don't understand why you're so positive, like, you know, the survival rate for you is like less than 10%. Like, how can you be so positive? And she talks about this at UW. She says, I am Lindley, and it's not my time to go. And that's how she lived from it. She, lived, she trained harder at living every single day, and she still does, than she ever did for a world championship title. Like, Michelle, her routine, like, if I told you, you're like, oh, my God, it's so strategic but she has this because she wants to survive like it's not as bad as it was before but she would set every single thing that she needed to do biocharge and lymph drain to normatec and pmf machine and all her food and all her everything it was just every single day so structured the same way that she trained to be a world champion multiple times over right like she was setting herself up and this is what you guys were posting nonstop to get us also into it vibrationally so we could lift you up it was like i am training for the greatest recovery and victory of my life and that's exactly what it was so what is her status now that or the you know i don't understand the the right word is it what is it She's too scared to say the word cure, but I'm like, she's kind of superstitious like that. I'm like, you're cured. And the doctor said, you're cured. And she's like, yeah, but I thought after five years that then you're cured. She goes, well, after five years, there's less than a two or 3% of chance of it coming back. It drops every year. So she's never going to get back. Like she's so, there's no freaking way. She's, she's, she's taken that path and she's succeeded and thrived and survived it. And I feel like that, I feel like she was the chosen one. I think that God or our creator or the universe said, Siri, you have a stage, you have people you can help and um, you have a platform and I know you can get through this. You've proven it before. You couldn't swim and you became world champion. And she went through a lot as a child, OCD and all sorts of stuff and uh, really traumatic childhood. And now she she's overcome that and he said, we're going to give you this gift. And she honestly treated it like that. She never said, why me? She never once said to me, why me? Like, why do I have to be like this? Like there were obviously moments where she was, would get depressed and every now and then, you know, there's all that, that fear will come in and she just snaps and reframes it. But, you know, what if it comes back? But she's always stayed in the moment of I know that it's not my time and I have a gift to give back to this world. And she already is. I mean, 
we can't wait to start working with some of the kids in the, the, the cancer hospital up here and just going back and seeing all our nurses. And it's just, she's already helped a lot of people just have called her that have been diagnosed and just help them a little bit with their journey as well. So it's so beautiful to watch. Oh, so beautiful. Now, listen, we have been entrained by Tony Robbins. And I know, I know Siri lives by this in her whole life before she even met him in real life, even though she had been uh, reading his books and all the things before she finally met him, that life is happening for you, never to you. I think you touched on this earlier, but in case uh, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, what would you say that that experience was for you in your life? I think for me, our relationship because Tony always just say, if there's no intimacy, there's no relationship. Like you have to have that yin and that, what does he call it? The feminine, the masculine energy. The polarity, yes. I'm like the polarity. And those two gay women, I was so confused. I'm like, saying to Mary B, like, what does that mean? Like two women, like we're both feminine. She's like, well, actually it's more of the energy. Like one has to be masculine. And I realized, oh yeah, I'm definitely the masculine one. Siri's totally the feminine one, but we still, we had to work a little bit on our, still on our relationship, like even the intimacy side, because I was such a striver and an achiever and always working in the future and looking for the future that that presence just, it was lacking. And I think for me, it was like, I know that she is the one, she is my one and only, like I will never have anybody else in my life, my beautiful wife. And she's, she's my, she's my forever. So I think that that was a bit of a shaking, like a wake up, like you need to be more present and you need to, to give her what and serve her needs as well and what she wants in a relationship. And that definitely did that for me. That's for sure. What a beautiful gift. And it brings me then to uh, my final question. I ask all of my guests, what is your definition of an awakened soul? I feel for me, it is waking up with gratitude and fulfillment in as many moments as possible. Mm. I really do because I wake up and I think of three things I'm grateful for. I always look over at my wife and then I look out at our horses and they all know they've been saved. And that is fulfillment. Like I got fulfillment from winning races. It was fleeting. It didn't last. It doesn't last. But you see these beautiful animals that you save and then you see them saving humans and doing therapy. And that is pure fulfillment. For me, that's, that's my awakening. Gorgeous. Gratitude and fulfillment. You know, I've asked 99 guests that same question and I've never heard the same answer. And every answer that I hear, I resonate with completely. It's so beautiful. I'm very emotional in this conversation. I just, I knew we were going to have a heart to heart, soul to soul, but what mission you are on is so inspiring. And I don't want anyone to end you know, to stop play on this without immediately going to horsesinourhands.org and doing your super small but absolutely significant part in saving more horses from slaughter so that we can change the world together. Because you're right, is an upward spiral. The horses save humans. In my very limited experiences uh, with varied horses, it's been magical and mystical and it's taught me great, beautiful lessons that I'll never forget. So thank you for all the work that you do. Where's the best place beside horsesinourhands.org where my listeners can reach you or connect with you? Yeah, I think my handle's just Rebecca Keat, but it's R-E-B-E-K-A-H. And I will make sure that we add that. And a big, big shout out of love to your beautiful wife. You know, she was a very popular download on this show. I would have never known that you were more of the the masculine and she more of the feminine. I didn't know either or, but I always thought of you as this... (laughs) Ah, just super feminine, flowy, easily to cry, easy to cry. Like, cause I've seen you in the rooms with Tony and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's the most open, beautiful, feminine soul ever. So I'm so glad that I got to get a glimpse of what the inner workings are and how you've learned to tap into your presence, which is all the feminine is. 
You're a gorgeous soul, my friend, a beautiful force for good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So grateful. And give Samson a big hug for me. You got it. Right back at you, sister. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.